So um, I'm going to be preaching this morning out of Mark. We're continuing our series in Mark. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 11, verse 20 to 26. And I, I would just like to try and do two things this morning, as to connect into what Clive said last week, and then I've got three very simple points for you out of um, this portion this morning. And I'd like to speak to you about faith in God's faithfulness, all right? Faith in God's faithfulness. Um, and so the portion is uh, from Mark chapter 11. It starts in verse 20. It says this, In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from its roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and you will, it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, I have to say that when I was preparing this week, uh, I found this incredibly challenging, this portion, and uh, I think you'll, you'll see why as we go forward. But remember, we're looking at the last week of Jesus' life, the last week of his ministry in these last chapters of Mark. Um, he's entered Jerusalem. He's on the path towards his death. And the story of these, last, these verses takes place on the last Tuesday of his life. And last week, Clive really wonderfully taught about this uh, Jesus cursing the fig tree and this acted mir miraculous parable that he demonstrates, and then how he clears the temple of the sellers and the merchants. And I was just thinking of Jesus clearing the temple, and I love that story because right in that one little verse is the heart of the gospel, isn't it? Jesus, when he challenges them, he says, this house of mine is a house of prayer for all nations, and yet you've made it into a den of thieves. Right there in that little sentence is the heart of the gospel. God's heart is towards all people of every nation. And that's always been the gospel right from the very beginning. And that's why Jesus is so angry with them. That's why he does clear the temple. Because he's saying, actually, this is really about all people. And you've made it something completely that was never intended to be. And secondly, uh, Clive showed us that Jesus was teaching his disciples through this acted out parable. And there's one great truth that he's really trying to get them to understand. And it's simply the unfruitfulness of formal religion. And J.C. Ryle uh, is an amazing uh, English evangelical pre uh, Anglican preacher, really. And um, he died in Lowestoft, I discovered this uh, week, in 1900. And uh, some of you go on holiday to Lowestoft. He was the Bishop of Liverpool for many years, first Bishop of Liverpool, a great theologian, great teacher, great preacher. And, and he comments on this portion and he says, Jesus is really trying to say three things. First of all, what he's saying through this demonstration of the fig tree and cursing the fig tree is a warning to the Jewish church. And he's, he's saying to them, actually, you are full of Full, full of uh, things that are not fruit, as, as Clive 
um, pointed out. There's lots of leaves. The temple is a beautiful place. It looks amazing. You've got all this kind of formal stuff in place, but there's no fruit of the Spirit in what you're doing. So Ryle says that's the first thing that Jesus is saying. Secondly, he says, by extension, it's a voice to all of us in any church that throughout the ages not to get caught in the same thing, that we are great on doctrine, we are great on all the formal parts of Christian faith, and yet the heart of Christian faith is completely lacking. There's no fruit of the Spirit. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no forgiveness. There's no grace. It's all formal. It all looks good on the outside, and yet the heart is hard and not soft. And thirdly, by implication, it's a warning for all of us as Christians who profess the name of Jesus, who like to say we are Christians, let us all remember that Jesus is saying to these people and he's demonstrating to us that we should never become dead in our faith, that our faith is active and our faith is completely in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And that's why we celebrate through the breaking of bread. But let, let, let us remember that the breaking of bread, baptism, church membership, uh, prayer, worship, Although those things are all good, they are the outward thing. They are the leaves. They are not the heart. And we're going to talk about the heart this morning. Because that's really what Jesus is saying. You're looking good on the outside, but the heart is dead. And when the heart is dead, there's nothing. And we, we, we want to please Jesus through the way that we live. And what we value. And what we give ourselves to. And how kind we are. And how we forgive each other. When we're offended, this is what Jesus is saying. It's the heart of the matter. And so God is looking for fruit from all of us, every believer, but it's the fruit of repentance towards God. It's, it's faith in Jesus. It's patience. It's perseverance. It's forgiveness. It's kindness. It's self-control. And all of these come, things come by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is looking for. That's the fruit that pleases him. And so... Verse 22, when they notice the fig tree, then Jesus begins to teach about faith. Do you notice that? He connects the fig tree and faith and prayer. And the first thing I'd like us to notice about verse 22 is that Jesus is not talking about saving faith. He's not talking about justification. Um, it's true that all faith is one and the same, but there are different ways that we understand faith. And justifying or saving faith is when we put our trust in Jesus and we have this amazing work of grace in our lives and he transforms our heart and instantly, we sang about it this morning, instantly God is satisfied and his anger is turned away from our lives and we become sons and daughters in that moment instantly and we know the peace of God and I'm sorry I'm spraying everywhere this morning we know the peace of God and we are reconciled to him and there's just this amazing peace that we have with him and we have with each other instantly we are saved that's justifying faith that's saving faith Jesus is not talking about that faith he's talking about what accompanies that faith there's absolute confidence in the goodness and kindness of God. That's what Jesus is speaking about here. And so, as we think about that this morning, we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Do we want to grow in grace? Remember I said to you a couple of weeks ago, the highest call of our lives is to grow in grace. No, we're not called to keep watch over other people. We're called to keep watch over our own heart, our own soul, our own relationship with God. And when our own relationship with God is in a good place, we have got some fruit that begins to speak into other people's lives. Isn't that true? 
And so that's why it's really this faith, this confidence, this, this joyful assurance of God's goodness towards us is the cornerstone of our lives. And that's why the Bible says, according to your faith will be your peace and your joy and the decisions that you make to serve Jesus and the strength that you have at work and your patience with other people, even when you're going through testing yourself. According to your faith will it be you. That's why the Bible says that. All those things are according to this confidence that we have in our lives that God is always good towards us. He's always kind. And on that basis, we can do anything. All right. And so I want to say to you, we rarely will become happy people if we can learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And if there ever was a time that we all needed to walk by faith, it's right now. Right now, we need to walk joyfully. We need to walk full of peace. We need to walk knowing that God's heart is towards us in every way and that his hand is upon our lives and he's going to joyfully take his people through this time into the future that he has for us. That's what it is to walk by faith. And so there's also this. I love Isaiah 28, 16. says this about faith. Whoever believes will not be in haste. <laughs> Isn't that a challenge? Whoever believes will not be in haste. Isn't that the thing? We get ourselves into trouble when we try and make things happen or get ahead of God. And God is just saying, my son, walk with me step by step. And we're saying, no, we, we, we think we've got a better idea, God. We want to run. And we get ahead of God and out of sync of what he wants for our lives. Let us learn to be patient. And that's what the Bible says. Faith and patience inherit the kingdom. Yeah? Both. Faith and and patience. If ever there was a time for us to be patient, it's right now, isn't it? Because I would like a lot of things to happen a whole lot more quickly than they are right now. And it is frustrating. But all of us have to learn patience right now. And perhaps that's the great lesson of this COVID thing for all of us. Is God is working patience into us. Patience with each other. Don't get upset and angry when people disagree with you or you disagree with other people. It's patience. Why? Because we need to grow in grace. Every one of us. Amen. So, that's just to try and tie into what Clive said last week. Now, can I try and unpack a couple of verses for you this morning? Three things. Let's look at verse 22 in particular. The ESV translates here and says, have faith in God. All right? Um, other translations say this, hold, hold the faithfulness of God. That's the old-fashioned translation. Or, Hold on to the faithfulness of God. That's how they translate verse 22. And in other words, to have faith in God and hold on to the faithfulness of God are exactly the same thing. But I think that the translation hold on to the faithfulness of God is the most accurate and the most helpful way to understand that verse. Because how many times haven't you heard Christians say this? He's a great man of faith. Or have more faith in God. Like it's something that you can work up in your life. That it's some kind of quality that some people have and others don't. Are you a person of great faith? Like, you know, I'm a person of great faith and power. I'm not sure that, that what faith, that's what faith is at all. Faith is not a quality that you have. Faith is a virtue that is found in you. It's not something that you work up. 
No, I'm going to have great faith now about this thing. No, it's a virtue that is in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a quality that you have. It's a virtue that is found in you. Faith is seeing, and I've tried to say it already this morning, faith is seeing that God is faithful. That's what faith is. We know that God will keep his word. That's why we say God is faithful, because we know he will always keep his word. And so, in other words, to have faith is to be totally dependent on a God who is faithful to anything that he said and everything that he said and promised. And when we hold on to that, we are being people of faith. You hear what I'm saying? There's a big, big difference. Faith is not about me. Faith is not about this kind of strength that I have that no one else has. Faith is putting all of my trust into someone who is completely faithful all of the time, in every way, whenever I ask, he is always faithful. That's what being full of faith is. The object of our faith is Jesus, the perfect one. And we put all of our trust into him, the perfect one, and he never lets us down. That's what faith is. Put all of your trust in the faithfulness of God. That's what it means to be a person of faith. And do you notice this? That Jesus also interestingly uses this phrase. He says, um, if anyone were to say to this mountain, move, and he does it, believing in his heart without doubting, it shall be so. Do you notice that? Well, that actually was a very common Jewish uh, uh, phrase. People that were great teachers were called mountain movers. And they spoke that over rabbis. They said, this rabbi is able to move mountains. In other words, he's able to take things that I don't understand and make them plain, and they are moved from my, my understanding, and I now understand it. The mountain is gone. So in other words, Jesus is also saying that if we put our faith in God's faithfulness, he enables us to solve any problem, any difficulty, anything that we don't understand. He's able to move that mountain. Then, in the second half of verse 23, we see this little phrase, if anyone. And I wanted to spend a little time talking to you about that this morning because this is a verse that's been completely misused by faith preachers in the church and prosperity preachers in the church. And it's very, very unfortunate that people have done this over the years, but they have. You see, there's two mistakes we can make. We can either ignore verse 23 or we can make too much of verse 23 and use it in a way that is not appropriate in terms of what Jesus is saying. See, faith, faith people and, and prosperity people will say this, that we can simply by faith claim anything that we want <laughs> in the name of Jesus, and if we, if we, we, we can do that, all right? And mostly they're speaking about, um, they're speaking about luxury cars and big homes and a certain kind of lifestyle. Mostly that's what they're speaking about. All, all the, the outward material things of this world. You can have all of those things instantly if you just name them and claim them. Well, I want to just kindly point out that that is absolutely not possible to do that. And that we cannot claim everything by faith. Can you claim your resurrected body by faith right now? Of course you can't, but it's a promise in the cross that we have. Can you claim the new heavens and the new earth right now? By faith. Of course you can't. But all of those things were made available through the blood of the cross as well. You see, we don't always get what we wish for in this life. And we don't always get luxury homes and expensive cars. 
And so this verse can be used in this really exaggerated way uh, that it's never intended. Because here's the, here's, the, here's the crux of it. It says, if anyone, if anyone says to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, it will be done for them. See, that's the crucial part, isn't it? And what Jesus is saying is this. There are some times in your life that you just know, I always put it like this, you know in your knower, deep inside of you, that inward person, that God has answered. There's this, this, this incredible faith that comes, and you know in your knower, in that moment, if I pray this prayer, it's going to be done. And I've had moments in my life like that, where there's just this overwhelming sense of faith, and you know God has heard your prayer, and you pray, and it's answered. Boom. It's like the mountain is moved. I've also had many times in my life when I've prayed, knowing what God's will is according to the word, and my prayer has not been answered. Have you had times like that? Of course you have. So that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, when you have that absolute assurance, when you know by faith that this thing that you ask for has been done, God will do it for you. It's, it's, we, we don't always live on that kind of mountain all the time. We, we also have values in our lives where we pray and our prayers don't seem to be answered. And here I want to give my third point this morning, and this is the hard one. Do you notice that Jesus connects the power of our prayers and God's faithfulness to answer our prayers with forgiveness? Do you notice that? We shouldn't be surprised because when he actually teach, taught us to pray, he said we should pray like this, Our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name. What does it carry on to say? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin or trespass against us. This is the most powerful lesson for me, and this is the most striking lesson for me. There's no obvious or immediate connection between Jesus speaking about the importance of faith and the subject of forgiveness, but he makes that connection, and he makes that connection through prayer. And he's saying, saying to us that faith is essential for our prayer and the, the success of our prayer. And then he goes on and he says, actually, no prayer is heard that does not come from a forgiving heart. Wow. No prayer is heard that does not come from a forgiving heart. And I think we don't think about that nearly enough. And our prayer life should not only be sincere and fervent and in Jesus' name, but it also must contain this element of forgiveness, coming from a forgiving heart. I would put it to you simply like this and say, we, cannot, we, we, we don't have the right to ask God for mercy for our own lives if we are not, we're not perfectly willing to extend mercy to other people. I put it to you also that we can't really feel the sinfulness of what we're asking forgiveness for while we're harboring resentment to somebody else. See, we've got to have the heart of a brother and a sister towards our neighbor here on earth if we want God to be our Father in heaven. We also, we, we love to say that we have the spirit of adoption, you know, as sons. The spirit has adopted us as sons, and by that same spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, and we can call him Father. We love to know, say we have the spirit of adoptions as sons, but we can't expect 
and flatter ourselves that we have that spirit unless we learn to forgive. Because we're not really sons if we, if we harbor resentment. And so I don't really, I'm not saying these things easily. I'm not saying these things lightly today. It really is a heart-searching subject. And I, I have to say that just looking at our world right now, looking at this thing that we are all part of, there's a quantity of anger and there's a quantity of bitterness and unforgiveness and party political spirit amongst Christians that is fearfully, fearfully great. See it all over the world. No wonder, no wonder so many prayers seem to be just thrown away and not heard. No wonder. Something that every one of us as believers needs to take to heart. We don't all have the same gifts, but every single one of us can forgive our brothers and our sisters from the heart without holding anything against them. And we have to learn to do that. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. So let me, let me, let me finish by saying this this morning. What does it mean to have a forgiving spirit? Well, it means that we have to learn to forgive the injustices of this world and the injuries that we receive from time to time in this fallen and this broken world. Got to learn to forgive. Can we really pass over sin and pardon someone who's offended us, didn't like what someone said? Can we really pass over that and forgive them and live free? If not, I would say, well, where really is the power of our Christian faith if we can't live like that? And I'm speaking to myself. I'm not preaching at you. As I said, I found this very challenging to prepare. So all of us want to thrive, don't we? We want to do well. We want to get strong. We want to be Christians that are growing in grace. Friends, I want to say the foundation of these things is, is forgiveness for all of us. And so let's determine in our hearts, by God's grace, to learn to forgive, even as we hope and trust that we are going to be forgiven those things that have offended God, because we have that confidence in what Christ has done, has done for us. And really, I would say that free forgiveness... The free forgiveness that we enjoy from God is the highest privilege that we have. You know that? It's, a, it's a, an amazing privilege that God would look upon our lives and not, choose not to see our sin and see his perfect son's blood upon us and say, on that basis, I forgive you. What a privilege to live free. And then we have the privilege and the joy to extend that to each other and not to hold on to resentment and bitterness, but to forgive. We have that privilege. And I want to say, we can begin to taste of the perfect, perfect eternal forgiveness that we will enjoy one day as we learn to live it out on earth. So let's learn to work it out for the few years that we have here on earth together. Let's not our lives be full of bitterness and rage on this earth, but let us be joyfully full of what God has blessed us with, forgiveness that comes by his Son. Amen. Well, God bless you, and God keep you, and God make his face to shine upon you. I trust this week that you will hold on to the faithfulness of God, 
that you would joyfully put all of your confidence in his goodness in your life and his kindness towards you, that you would joyfully put or trust in that, knowing that as you do that, you are a man or a woman of faith. That's all you need to do is put your confidence in the faithfulness of God and you live that out. And as you do, forgive. Uh, I, I always um, remember Artie Kendall saying this in our church many years ago. He said, forgiveness is a life sentence. Isn't that true? Forgiveness is a life sentence. And I found in my life that I, I go through periods where suddenly I become aware of something that happened many years ago, and I have to consciously choose in that moment to forgive again. Doesn't that happen? Have you noticed that? Sometimes there's a level in your life, and then the Holy Spirit does something, and it's a little bit deeper, and you think, oh, God, I've got to forgive again. I didn't know it was still there. That's what it means that forgiveness is a life sentence. We have to choose every moment of every day to forgive those that have hurt us, whatever reason it is. And that comes by the power of the Spirit, and it's not easy, but it is possible. I think Helen and I were talking this week, and, and we, we had to kind of say that we've had to learn forgiveness for the, the things that I've said that I should have never said to Helen over the years. And she probably has said some things to me also that have been very hurtful to me. And we've had to learn what does it mean to live in forgiveness. That's what it means. That's what it means that daily we forgive. We choose to forgive in the moment. And that's what God wants us to live out. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us online as well. Let's turn around and say cheers to everybody.